This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where state lawmakers have gathered for a one-day session to get organized after the elections. It's been almost eight months uh, since we were all together last, and what a long, strange trip it has been. Donald Trump may have lost the presidential race, but Republicans in the Florida House are celebrating because they padded their lead over the Democrats. We were confronted with the greatest threat we have faced since Republicans took over the House in 1996. And we didn't just hold the line, and we didn't just pick up one seat or two, we picked up five. One of the issues the new legislature will have to deal with is COVID-19. The health department reported almost 4,700 new cases Monday. The really scary part is that's almost a relief after Sunday's surge of more than 10,000 new cases. There have also been 41 more fatalities. On today's Sunrise interview, we'll talk with Edie Osley. After more than two decades working as a spokesperson for some of the biggest names in the Capitol, she's launching her own communications firm. Some people um, you know, in my inner circle has said, are, are you sure you really want to do this in 2020? But I have to tell you, you know, I think 2020 is the perfect year to do this. You know, certainly it's been a year like no other. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a couple of Florida men. One of them rammed a highway patrol cruiser. The other brought an eight-year-old boy along with him during a crime spree to toughen the kid up. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, November 17th. It was on this date in 1973, in the midst of the Watergate crisis, that President Richard Nixon told America he was not a crook. I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Nixon made those remarks in Orlando at a meeting of the Associated Press managing editors. After a long pause for the COVID crisis, Florida's capital is back in business. The state legislature convening today for a one-day session to get organized after the elections. The Senate gets things started at 10, when Republican Wilton Simpson will be sworn in as the new president of the Senate. Gary Farmer of Lighthouse Point was elected leader of the Senate Democrats Monday, and he has a long list of issues in which his party is hoping to make some headway next year. It's been almost eight months uh, since we were all together last, and what a long, strange trip it has been. As we prepare for this upcoming session, the reminders of the problems and challenges placing our state could not be made any clearer than what we are seeing in this ceremony. Uh, it seems difficult, if not impossible, to find a single aspect of our lives that has not been changed by this pandemic. And it is certainly going to be the catalyst for many of the unprecedented challenges we face in the coming months. The COVID-19 pandemic has presented our state and its leaders with a slew of new challenges. The, the prospect of containing a deadly disease while still operating a stable economy let alone provide essential services, is not something Florida has had to contemplate at this scale in modern times. In the coming weeks and months, we will all be charged with the daunting task of balancing our state's budget, while also providing access to the services that our people need and simultaneously ensuring the health and safety of all Floridians and our visitors. We are, after all, a tourism-based state we want to make this a safe place so that people will continue to come visit us. And only by putting aside partisan divisions and working together 
will we be able to strike the balance necessary to ensure that all Floridians are protected? This crisis has also highlighted many of the problems that we have known to exist well before the pandemic even started. As record numbers of Floridians were forced to seek help when the pandemic forced them out of their jobs, they were greeted with a system riddled with pitfalls that to some seemed designed to fail. While the inaccessible design and meager benefits of Florida's unemployment system have long been a point of major concern for our caucus, we have reached a point where no legislator could harbor a single doubt about the desperate need for us to take a hard look at our unemployment system and provide for people who are suffering so much. And while this pandemic must remain at the forefront of our minds, we must also new, not lose sight of the myriad of other pressing issues that continue to weigh on the people of Florida. And in keeping sight of those issues, we must also be sure to remain true to core values that define us as Democrats. As human beings, we are charged with caring for our communities. As senators, we are empowered to take action to deliver that care. And as Democrats, we hold a core set of values which will guide us towards equitable solutions that leave no one behind. One of the most defining issues for us as Democrats, of course, is related to the health crisis we face today. This is our belief in the fundamental right to health care, that every person has a right to health care. And yet countless Floridians face a threat of a deadly virus knowing that they may lack the ability to seek care should sickness befall them. Florida is one of only 12 states that has not expanded Medicaid, and our failure to do so has left nearly a million Floridians without the health and financial security that would come along with such an expansion, especially during this health crisis. I hope that we recognize a need to expand Medicaid, and it is an action that would not only provide care for hundreds of thousands in need, but would also help to balance our budget and expand our economy in the long run. Farmer also wants the Senate to address issues like the environment, police reform, racial justice. But remember, the Democrats are a minority party. They do not control the agenda. Senator Simpson is unveiling some of his plans today after he is sworn in as president. Over in the House of Representatives, Republicans are already celebrating. Chris Sprouls is being sworn in as Speaker after they convene at 11. Now, during Monday's meeting of the Republican caucus, he said they had confounded the experts and all the outside money by adding to their majority in the Florida House. They warned me that the House had bucked too many interest groups over the years, that we needed to spend less time reforming things, being less conservative, less bold. They said there were demographic trends and history wasn't on our side. A senior lobbyist informed me that before he would retire, Democrats would be back in control of this House. Then there was the out-of-state lions who began circling our caucus like we were their prey. They turned to progressive billionaires for funding that increased their budget 800%. They recruited other national organizations like Swing Left and 90 for 90. They recruited candidates against every single one or nearly every single one of our Republican incumbents. They got a steady stream of flattering media coverage from everything from MSNBC to the Washington Post. Now, I won't lie to you. There were moments during that time that I felt like we were the campaign version of the 300 Spartans, facing down a massive, world-shattering army. Doomed, but hoping at least to 
delay or to hold the line. We were confronted with the greatest threat we have faced since Republicans took over the House in 1996. And we didn't just hold the line, and we didn't just pick up one seat or two, we picked up five. So how do we do it? We did what the Florida House always does. We outworked and outfought our opponents. When COVID-19 arrived on the scene that derailed our plans, we adapted. We shattered every record in the history of House majority. We did more than we did in the years of 2016 and 2018 combined. We invested more time, talent, and treasure into races than ever before, and we did it earlier than we had ever done it. We applied modern business techniques to managing our resources on the field and in the air that had never been done in this House. We took nothing for granted, and there wasn't a single moment that we or any members sitting here took their foot off the gas. And when forward majorities showed up in Florida with their giant piles of cash, well, to paraphrase the late, great Sean Connery, they quickly realized they had brought a knife to a gunfight. Service in the Florida House is unlike any other experience any of us will ever have in elected office. We are here because we're a team. For the last 24 years, Republicans in this House have chosen, sometimes in the face of incredible pressure, to do the right things. We have proven conservative government can thrive in a highly populous, demographically and geographically diverse state. But as proud as I am of our accomplishments, as I look around this room at the 78 men and women, and I think about all of the obstacles we have overcome to be here today together, I cannot help but believe that the best is yet to come. The entire organizational session should only last a couple of hours. Then lawmakers will head home and most of them won't be back in Tallahassee until committee meetings begin in January. One personal note, I had to take a COVID test last night to be able to enter the Capitol to cover today's session. They said they would only call if it was positive, and the phone hasn't rung yet, so there's that, I guess. And if I sound a bit stuffy, it might have something to do with those things they shoved up my nose. Florida added 41 more fatalities and almost 4,700 new cases of COVID-19 Monday. As bad as that is, it was a vast improvement over the 10,000 cases reported Sunday. So far, we've had almost 890,000 cases in Florida and 17,775 fatalities. The governor finally responded to the rising number of COVID cases Sunday when his press secretary sent out a tweet saying Floridians should keep calm and carry on. He also repeated the governor's mantra that the elderly are being protected while the rest of Florida goes back to business. But are they really? The Miami Herald says there is no evidence the vulnerable are being protected from the virus as it continues to move through the state. There's been a 140% increase in the average daily number of cases for those 65 and older. That compares to 150% for the general population. Really doesn't sound like much of a safety margin, does it? One out of every 12 people between the ages of 65 and 79 who have tested positive for COVID-19 in Florida have died. For people 80 years or older, it's one out of every four. Next up on the Sunrise Interview, Edie Owsley strikes out on her own. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. 
Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Edie Owsley, who spent almost three decades handling communications for some of the biggest players in the Tallahassee game. She's embarking on a new journey today, opening her own public relations and communication shop. I first met Edie when she was a member of the press office for Governor Lawton Childs back in the 90s. She went on to work for Republican Senator Tony Jennings, the Florida Home Builders Association, and most recently spent a decade as Director of Communications at the Florida Chamber of Commerce. And now she's ready to concentrate on her own business. Influencing audiences um, with a winning communication strategy, it's not only my skill set, but it's my passion. And after having had the pleasure to work for some of Florida's greatest statewide elected leaders and largest statewide associations, I now have the opportunity through my own firm to be able to share my talents with a broader scope of organizations looking to tell their story, to protect their brand or advance the cause, their cause, and, and so much more. So I'm absolutely looking forward to this new step in my life. And, you know, it gives me an opportunity to continue moving from success to significance in helping others. Well, first of all, you have to tell us what the name of the firm is, right? Absolutely. Yellowfinch Strategies. And I, I know you're going to ask me, so why Yellowfinch? And I will tell you that secretly I am a bird geek. And um, the Yellowfinch signifies abundance and prosperity and it also symbolizes positivity and optimism and joy and happiness. And I think in 2020, that's something that we could all use a little bit more of. Why 2020? I mean, the worst of all possible years to start a new gig? <laughs> you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And some people, um, you know, in my inner circle has said, are, are you sure you really want to do this in 2020? But I have to tell you, you know, I think 2020 is the perfect year to do this. You know, certainly it's been a year like no other. Uh, we've seen physical and economic impacts to America and right here in our great state. But one thing that I know um, as, as someone who now calls Florida home, I, uh, I've been here, you know, 28 years plus. We need Florida to succeed. And that's why I am bringing my talents, my instinct and original ideas to influence public policy and to use my strategic communications skill set to help Florida rebound and to reimagine our economy. We have a whole bunch of PR firms here in town. What sets the Finch apart? Well, I think what sets the Finch apart is uh, taking a look at my history, um, taking a look at the elected leaders that I have you know, worked for, uh, the issues that I have you know, been in the trenches and, and battled uh, for over the years. And I think if you were to ask people that are in the uh, political public policy arena, they will tell you that I have the instincts, the talent, and the original ideas, and most importantly, raw determination to influence uh, public policy. And so I think that, you know, that's what is going to uh, set Yellowfinch apart and I'm totally looking forward to it. We first met when you were working for Governor Lawton Childs. Gosh, that must have been back in the 90s. You've also worked for some of the biggest name Republicans. Who was your most fun person to work with? Well, I will tell you that the, the one person that had the most influence on my life was Tony Jennings. Um, she uh, was the epitome of someone who um, could be firm, um, you know, in her ability to be able to um, 
push policy, but could do it with a start with, you know, with a smile on your, on her face. And, uh, you know, she, she absolutely, uh, had a strong strategic mind and was just absolutely a wonderful person, individual to, uh, to work with and to be around. And, you know, I am, I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity to have served under her. Edie is the third veteran of Lawton Child's press office to launch her own communications firm here in Tallahassee. The others, Ron Sachs and April Hurley. Looking back, it really was one hell of a communications team. Your calendar of events, the Miami-Dade College trustees meet at 8 to interview candidates and pick a new president. The Florida Elections Canvassing Commission meets at 9 to certify results of the election. The Florida Senate holds its organizational session at 10, with new members being sworn in and Republican Wilton Simpson of Trilby being sworn in as Senate president. Also at 10, Enterprise Florida and the Florida Ports Council will hold an online forum about issues relating to the state's seaports. At 11, the House of Representatives holds its organizational session, with members being sworn in and Republican Chris Sprouls of Palm Harbor formally becoming House Speaker. At 12.30, the House Minority Co-Leaders Bobby DeBose of Fort Lauderdale and Evan Jenny of Dania Beach will hold a media availability. Senate President Simpson is holding his media availability at 1. Also at 1, the Public Service Commission takes up a plan by Duke Energy to build 10 solar plants in the coming years. Now, the way the plan is structured has drawn some opposition. Critics claim it carries financial risks for the utility's entire customer base, not just the ones who sign up for solar. At 1.30, Speaker Sprouls will hold his media availability in the House chamber. And at 3, there's an installation ceremony for Miami-Dade's new mayor-elect, Daniela Levine-Cava, that's followed by a community celebration at 5 at the Bayfront Park Amphitheater. A Florida man whose blood alcohol level was more than four times the legal limit drove through a crime scene at a fatal crash site and slammed into a highway patrol cruiser. Troopers were on the scene of a two-car collision in Orlando when 31-year-old Coulter Anderson of Merritt Island plowed through the debris and crashed into the FHP vehicle. He blew a .38 on the breath test, which is about four and a half times the legal limit. Finally, a Florida man accused of bringing a child with him on a crime spree told investigators he was trying to toughen the kid up. 36-year-old Ernest McKnight is facing several charges for a series of crimes that took place over several days in Polk County and the city of Lake Wales. Deputies say the 8-year-old boy was with him while he committed some of those crimes. McKnight was arrested and the child was reunited with his family. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.